Pilot Boys in the building. Welcome to the Pilot Boys podcast, where you'll get the real on all things sports, music, and pop culture. I am Mecca Don here with my co-host V. Mama mentality for life. Today is March 12th, 2020. V, this is episode 18. This is our 18th episode. That's crazy. Yeah. I remember turning 18. <laughs> Thank you guys for tuning in. I know you can be anywhere in the world, but you're here with us. On today's show, we will talk to Arizona Cardinal and former Buckeye Johnny Dixon about his winding journey to the NFL, the NCAA, what he's learned from Larry Fitzgerald and DeAndre Hopkins, and much, much more. Johnny very, be good. Yeah, yeah. Very riveting interview. We call Johnny the mayor. We'll also do some news and notes of popular sports, music, and pop culture stories from around the country, from the coronavirus cancellations, South by Southwest, 6 9 Car- Cardell Jones, Nate Woods, LeBron, Giannis, and much more. Shout out to our Patreon subscribers. Remember now that our $5 and up Patreon subscribers will get our episodes on Wednesdays, a night early. These donations help keep our show going. If you want to keep us on air, you can donate at www.patreon.com forward slash Pilot Boys Podcast. Let's go! Where the Pilot Boys at? You're listening to the Pilot Boys Podcast. Our next guest is a wide receiver for the Arizona Cardinals and former Ohio State Buckeye. Please welcome to the show, Johnny Dixon. What's up, Johnny? What's up, what's up? Johnny, what's happening? None, man. None. Just chilling out. Thanks for, thanks for joining us, man. You know, we are obviously, you know, you know, we're Ohio State alums. I played at Ohio State. We're big Ohio State fans. We are a huge fan of yours and got the opportunity to meet you while you were at Ohio State and interact with you a lot. Um, you're like the mayor Columbus, <laughs> everybody, everybody loves him some JB. <laughs> and no, but one day, did, one day, it's happening. One day, yeah, you did a great <laughs> job. One thing that I definitely saw from you was doing a great job of, you know, creating re- relationships, good relationships, and that's one of the, you know, things we like to tell a lot of the younger guys is that when you're at Ohio State, you know, obviously being a player is great, but there are a lot of relationships that you can create while you're there. Uh, one of the things that I wanted to, you know, jump in and talk to you about initially was kind of your injury, right? Your injury history at Ohio State. You know, it seemed like you had a few setbacks and, you know, there are probably times when people counted you out and and wrote you off. And uh, I just want to talk to you a little bit about that period of time and how did you deal with that and how did you eventually overcome it and now become an NFL player? Well, I mean, that whole situation, it it was rough because, you know, I was a kid that really never missed time. Like even in, in high school, I had a um, few knee issues, but, you know, I never missed time. I always went out there. So going to college and, you know, having to miss time, like, almost immediately, you know, it, it kind of set me back mentally. You know, physically, I was I was already beat up. But, um, you know, it was, something hard, it, was, it was something that was hard to overcome at first because, you know, you're, you're young. You know, you're new to the scene. You really don't know much. So, right. Um, but a, a big thing that helped me, you know, get through all that was, you know, my family, you know, they always had my back, you know, they always had the best interest for me. And um people people around me, they really pushed me to, to go back and because everybody knew that I could do it. You know, they knew I, I was a good player, you know, right. I can go out there and make plays, but it was just things just kept setting me back and it was like not allowing me to get on the field. So Yeah. You know, and and also I, I knew that kids back home and you know, kids all over the world you know, they look up to us and, right. you know, coming from where I come from, there's a lot of kids that don't really have that motivational, you know, figure in front of them, you know, a role model type of thing. So I thought like, if I gave up, then, you know, what am I showing them? I'm basically telling them that it's, you can go out there and just give up on, you know, on things. And, you know, I didn't want to do that. So, right. you know, I, I just pushed through, you know, harder than I ever did before, you know, with rehab and, you know, just, becoming a student of the game, you know, being a, a better person in the classroom, you know, it was, it was all, all those things just wrapped into one and, and it helped like just push me and motivated me to become better. And how did it feel when you actually started, you know, you got on the field and you started succeeding and started scoring touchdowns and started becoming kind of a household name in the city? How did that actually feel? Did it feel like a relief? Like, ah, oh, finally, 
or or, or how or was it exciting or what or all of the above? Yeah, it was a big relief. Just like I said, knowing that I can do it at a high level, you know, and finally be able to display that, you know, in spring ball. That was I, when I came back. I, I really didn't know what to expect. I was still a little beat up, you know. I was lying. I told Coach Mick, Mickey, I feel great. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> all right, all right. That's so, football for you. Right. So I just was coming back and, you know, I didn't know what to expect, but, um, you know, Paris pushed me, he told me, you know, if you're going to come back, just, you know, give it all you can. And the the spring game was a, a real big one for me. And some people didn't, didn't see it that way, but I did. I, I saw it as a turning point in my career. Mm. You know, I went out there, I scored what twice, you yeah. know, I had a really, I had a really good game and people, some people were like, it's just a spring game, but I'm like, you don't know what they just did for my confidence. You know, right. it put me on a, a whole different level. So, you know, that spring was really huge for me. And it, it, it pushed me and jump-started me to a good camp and then, you know, to a um, a good two finishing seasons. Right. Yeah, I wanted, I, I wanted to circle circle back um, to that, that time. I, obviously, we're talking about something positive, but a couple of things I want to touch on in terms of when you were hurt and recovering in terms of, you were a big time recruit. Um, football was something that everyone thought was going to be at all for you. Um, but you were forced to kind of take a step back and focus on some other things. I just wanted to ask you about like the support system for mental health at, at Ohio state. Um, if that, how that helped you and what resources they helped you with during that time when you weren't able to play on the field. Um, and then also how it, might have helped you kind of think beyond your role as a football player into a bigger role as a human being. Yeah. So for, for me, it, it, it's all, it's always been hard for me to go and just talk to people. Um, but we had a, we had a psychologist, um, somebody in place to help us, you know, go out and, and actually talk to him because we know everything that we were telling him was, you know, confidential and he wasn't going out and telling anybody else. So, um, we had a guy called Dr. Grape and, you know, I've, I've talked to that guy so many times, you know, he helped me over so many humps because mm. when I talked to him, I just felt like it was a huge, huge pressure and, you know, relief just let off my shoulders. Yeah. Right. And, and like I said, like I, I never could just go out and talk to anybody. Like my mom's probably my best friend, but I couldn't even like sit down with her and, you know, just spill all the stuff that was going through my head and you know how I was feeling at the time. But um Dr. Grace, I mean That's a great point. You know, people are, are you know, and particularly in minority communities are so, you know, they're so like weary of like therapy and counseling and those are like almost taboo words. But it is so important, um, you know, just even for the everyday person. You don't have to be going through the worst struggle of life to talk to somebody. But I think right. that, that that is very important. And like and one of the things that you said I think is also very important is that your best friend or your mom or your girlfriend, whoever, a lot of times those people aren't necessarily equipped, number one. And then number two, you don't necessarily feel comfortable telling them everything. And they're not neutral. Exactly. Right, and they're not neutral. So I think having someone who's unbiased, who's not going to judge you, who you can just spill the beans to a lot, I think that's very, very important. So I'm very happy to hear that Ohio State had something like that in place for you guys. Definitely. Oh, yeah. they, they. I mean, it's probably so many guys that have went to them and, you know, just, you know, got that 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 pressure off their shoulders and you know it it also helped me become like a person that people can come to because you know Mm. fifth year guy you know a lot of guys are coming to me because they know i've been through a lot you know they know they saw me overcome all the situations so right i think that that put me in a good position as well to you know help others out as well so i mean it, it was good and i was happy that i did it because you know as a black man a football player you know everybody looked up to you so you you're just trying to not show weakness basically and you know that's why i think we never really show our feelings to people yeah that's you know, so that's I, it, yeah so it was good for me to you know do that for myself and others as well one of the things that you mentioned earlier uh when you're talking about being a role model and as you're fighting through kind of some of the adversity was coming from florida and having young kids from florida kind of looking up to you and that's one thing that we wanted to talk to you about too is you know, you're from Florida, right? So, and theoretically, you could have gone to schools that are much closer to where you grew up, but you decided yeah. to come to Ohio State. Uh, so, two questions. One is, why did you specifically come to Ohio State from Florida? And then the second question is, which 
is probably related to the first is why do you think a lot of guys are starting to now, you know, from Florida are now starting to really, really consider Ohio State? Right. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, um, I'm still getting a lot of backlash from that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. But, um, you know, um, it, it was bigger than just football for me. You know, when I went up there, I visited, what, twice, I want to say, and, you know, immediately I fell home. Um, I think after my official visit, I called my mom the next day, at, like the Sunday practice, and I was like, you know, I'm ready to commit. She was just like, hold off for now. But, um, you know, I knew right away, which is really crazy. Yeah. Um, and I saw all the things, like the job fairs, you know, real life Wednesday, so – it put us in a better situation to be more than just a football player, more than just an athlete. Mm-hmm. You know, it gave us a platform to, you know, once we're done, go get a job and things like that because everybody don't make it to the NFL. You know, I was really fortunate. I was an undrafted guy. So, I mean, I was really fortunate to be in this position. Right. You know, and Ohio State set me up to, to be in this position, you know. So, you know, I'm forever thankful for the, the university and, you know, Coach Meyer and all our coaches and players as well. Yeah. And so do you feel like that that is part of what, you know, kind of excited some of the other guys too to come? Or do you think that it was kind of Coach Meyer, um, kind of the style of offense we run, the, the brand? Do we have a big brand? Does Ohio State have a big brand in Florida? Like, talk to us a little bit about that too, um, just because we're curious as, as guys who, you know, are from Columbus. You know, I, I think it's all of those things, you know, really wrapped into one. You know, Coach Meyer was such a brilliant recruiter. Um, you know, he kept it real with you. He didn't really sugarcoat. Mm-hmm. Coach Mick was a guy. He told you from day one, I'm not your mama. Like, I'm not going to baby you. Right. <laughs> I'm a, so they kept it real, you know. And then I, I think another big thing was, you know, we really started a Florida pipeline. Mm-hmm. You know, going back to – Back in the day, you know, a lot of guys, you know, from Florida went there. So I think once those guys saw like a big transition of Florida guys going elsewhere, yeah, not even just Ohio State, I think just elsewhere, like a, right? Yeah, a variety of places now because you know people want to get out of Florida. I mean, you love Florida, you've been there your whole life. You know, you want to see other things. And a big thing for me was wanting to become a man on my own. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't want to. If I went to Miami or Florida, Florida State, you know, home was right down the street, basically. Right. And you know, I wanted to get away and, you know, kind of live on my own, you know, grow up on my own, meet new people from right. different areas and different stories. So, you know, I think it's, it's many things that, that play in play a role in Florida guys going to Ohio State, you know, and a lot of those guys are becoming really smart. You know, social media is a thing that, put so much out there for people to grasp and, right. you know, take a hold of and, and you see Ohio State, one of the biggest media markets and it, and it helps, you know. So what, is, so what like, is the brand like of Ohio State in Florida? What What is the perception of Ohio State football in Florida generally? One of the top programs, you know, yeah. for forever. Right. You know, who don't want to be on that big stage every, every Saturday? Right. You know, you basically got a chance to, all, to to make it to the playoffs. You're going to be in big games, big bowl games. So, you know, everything is in place. And a lot of places, other places don't really have that. Right. And now kind of talking about that transition, right? We've talked about Ohio State um, for quite a bit of time. Now, if you can take us into that transition now from being a big man on campus, 50-year senior at Ohio State, to going – and trying to make it in the professional ranks in the NFL where now it's a job, right? And right. you're competing with other people for that same job. What the difference has been for you and the changes going through that combine process and how how that's kind of changed your perception of, of football, if at all, and, 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 and how you feel about being an NFL player now. I'll tell you what, um, when you get to the league, you're starting all the way back over again. Um, you know, especially a guy like, like me, you know, undrafted. So, you know, you start at the bottom of the bottom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, and college is, is not really a job. You know, it's, you know they're going to pay for your school. You know, you got to go to class and things like that, but you're not going to get fired unless, you know, you do the, the worst thing possible. So, once you get to the league, it's a job. And if you're not performing at the, the standard they want you to, you're not doing the things they want you to do how they want it 
you're going to be out of there. And it's just a reality we all have to live with. And, and for me, it, 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 I don't, it's weird because, like, you walk around and, you know, one day you might see a guy get cut. So, like, you don't know. Like, <laughs> you might have a drop or something like this. And now you're just looking over your shoulder. Like, you see a cut guy coming by you and you're just nervous, you know. So, right. <laughs> it's a huge transition from – from college to the league. But um, like I said, I think Ohio State, it, it sets us up perfectly because, you know, we've seen everything. We've been through everything. So, you know what comes with it. But um, And so and, and, and speaking of that, too, like, you know, you've, you know, I think and V was touching on this, too, is that you've been fortunate to go, like, you started off with the Texans and you were able to, you know, see DeAndre Hopkins, who's one of the best top five receivers. And then now you're with the Cardinals and you're seeing Larry Fitzgerald. What are some of the things that you've noticed from them or, you know, in terms of either work ethic or skill set that have just impressed you? Um, what, what really impresses me is that those guys are, you know, some of the top players. You know, Larry's been doing it for forever, and, you know, he still can go out there and get it. Um, D. Hobbs has been doing it for a while now, and he still goes out there and get it. But um, the, the thing that sets those guys apart is when they're at work, they're really working. You mm-hmm. know, you, ex- you expect a high-level guy like like those two to be just, you know, not practicing, sitting around, but, you know, they go out there and they get, they put their dirty work in and, you know, it shows up, you know, like for Larry, he's been doing it for what, going on 16, 17 now. Yeah. So it's a good example to, you You don't even, he doesn't even have to talk. He just, he walks it, you know, he, he lives it. So you can just look at a guy like that and, you know, be motivated. And same with D hop, you know, I don't, I don't, he's not really like, a guy that's out there and you know in social media like that much much but um he's a guy that puts his work in quietly you know watching that guy man i've seen him make some of the craziest catches <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's crazy. ridiculous so, bro. Crazy. yeah so he just he pushes guys immediately and he probably doesn't even know it you know yeah you know one of the things that you mentioned earlier uh that i kind of wanted to circle back on too was kind of the difference between the nfl in college, right, when you say, you know, college is not necessarily like as much like a job as the NFL is, where literally if you're not performing, you can be gone and literally be gone from that city, <laughs> you know, that day. Right. Uh, and that brings me kind of to an issue that, you know, is kind of at the crux of that, which is kind of the NCAA, their name, image, and likeness thing. And now, you know, you know the push for guys to start being able to benefit off of their name, image, and likeness when they're in college. And, you know, that's something that V and I have been kind of pushing for and advocating for for a long, long time. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on that as a former, you know, NCAA athlete and now an NFL player. What are kind of your thoughts on the NCAA name, image, and likeness movement? Um, They're actually, in Cali, they're right. They're like giving them money now, right? Not yet. They actually signed it into into law in November. And I think that it will take effect by like 2023 um and then the ncaa uh has actually now proposed something where now it can be um will be i guess they're giving every school or every division until 2021 until next year to kind of put something in place that addresses this so it won't just be california um so basically this is going to be a a nationwide thing that's going to be allowed um by all the major programs by next year I tell you, I absolutely love it. But um, what, one thing I don't like about it is, you know, they they, they took too long. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right. You know, I think you know the guys put in the work, man. I mean, people don't don't realize that. You know, like I, I said, college isn't a job, but it, it really is. Mm-hmm. But just not at the level as, as the NFL. But um, those guys put in work nonstop. You know, I remember, like when I got to the league this year. It's like my first off season, and I'm just like. Wow, yeah. <laughs> this is what free time really feels like. Right. But it, <laughs> right, right. In college, you don't get that, you know. Honestly, like especially with a big time program, you know, I can't really speak for other guys in their programs, but at Ohio State, you know, you're on the go, 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 you know, nonstop. So right. I think I, I think the kids deserve it. And if they're going out there, you know, they're making big plays. They're going to be a top pick, or however their team or city views them, I think they they should, you know, make a little profit off of that. You know, it's it's people people think it's easy being a college athlete because they think you get all this money and things like this. But yep. things they feel fail to realize is like a lot of times you really have to help your family back home. Mm. 
Yeah, because like, now you're an adult, right? And when you're an adult, most people, when they become adults, they are expected to contribute to the household. Exactly. Exactly. And I always view myself as the man of the house. So as the man of the house, I have to make sure that my family is good. So, you know, every month I don't have all this money in my bank account because I'm actually helping my family out and, you know, things like that. But people don't realize that they think a college player, he's getting all his money. He's getting free books and things like this. Like, yeah, I'm getting free books, but still like this extra money I have in my pocket, I'm using that to help. So I think if if those, you know, those young men are going to be getting the money and they're putting in the work for it, then they deserve it. You know, I can't be mad at that at all. Like you said, you guys don't have the time to just go get a regular job either. Exactly. Having a way to generate some income is important. And I wanted to kind of ask you something about when you were at Ohio State, right? It's impossible not to see all the money that's around you, right? At the program, how much money Ohio State is generating, how much the coaches are making. This is all public information. Do players, can you take us into like how players feel when they see this? Like after winning a national championship, for example, and you see all the money flowing in, the TV deals, the the, the fans coming in, knowing that they're paying for the tickets. How does that make you guys feel? Is that something you guys talk about? Um, when you, when you see that and you know that you're here on a scholarship. Oh yeah, absolutely. I remember multiple times, you know, when the year come around and they put the, they put the, um, all the numbers out and stuff. I remember, um, a lot of my classmates in 2014, we were all sitting in the group chat, like, man, I need a little bit of that. (laughs) (laughs) So it was like, I mean, you, you look at those numbers, you're like, man, they're living good. They have nice houses and things like this. And I'm over here in this one-bedroom apartment, you know, kind of struggling at times. But, you know, sometimes I'm fine. So, I mean, we definitely talk about it, you know. But, I mean, what can you really do about it at the end of the day? You know, so. Yeah. So speak- we talk about it a little bit, but we know that we can't do much. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I- Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, yeah. And a big and like our coaches, you know, they try to take care of us as much as they can. You know, we have good food in in our building, you know, and definitely now they, they've upgraded. So, you know, I think they're living pretty well. But, um, yeah, I mean, we definitely talked about it all the time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, the the nature of, you know, college sports in particular, particularly uh, football and basketball has changed over the last 30 years. Right. And, and I think at the outset of college sports, 100 years years ago or whatever it wasn't necessarily a big revenue generator it was kind of more something to just contribute to the overall culture of a school or a university right give extracurriculars and stuff like that but now it's become big business and it's a billion dollar industry you can't ignore the money that's being involved and if you're not going to split some of the revenue that's coming in then you have to allow guys to at least profit off of their name image and likeness so like you said this is probably long overdue but at least yeah, we are absolutely. moving in the right direction. And I do think it's incumbent on people like us who do have a voice to continue pushing that um, and making sure that they feel uncomfortable and understand the issues that a lot of student athletes are going through. Um, speaking of, right. uh, of the student athletes, too, I wanted to talk about the combine because the combine, you know, just passed. And obviously it's, you know, it's, you know, one of the most important things kind of in the draft evaluation process and, you know, having a good showing, so to speak, at a combine can really improve your draft stock. Having a bad showing can negatively, uh, and, and, you know, negatively affect your draft stock. And, you know, some of the guys that from Ohio State this past week, they didn't really perform probably uh, as, as well as they would have liked to. Uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you about was kind of your thoughts on kind of the combine and the pro day. And then particularly uh, give us some names of some guys who are coming out this year from Ohio State who you think should be on our watch list. Honestly, the, the, the whole combine and pro day, I, I don't, you know, I don't know how much of that they take into account for some people. Mm. You know, I, I thought I went out there and had a really good combine oh, yeah. last year and a really good pro day, but, you know, I ended up in my position. You know, I'm not mad about it because at the end of the day, I still got a chance. But, um, you know, for some people, it really helps. And like Paris and Terry, it really helped those guys. And, you know, they went out there and put a great showing and, you know, it, it helps some people, but um, for some people, it really doesn't help. And um, I mean, I don't know how you go about that or <laughs> what can you do more right. to, to be looked at. So, I mean, you just go out there and you try to put your, your best foot forward and, you know, perform. Right. Because you, 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 you go straight from bowl games to training 
so I mean, you, you you put your best foot forward and you try to go out there and give it your all. And you definitely want to go out there and have a good show. And you don't want to go out there looking sluggish, right. bad in drills. And you know, I, so I mean, I think it's important for some people, and and some people is not. Um, I think that we put too much of an emphasis on the forty yard dash, though. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I, sure. <laughs> yeah, because you know, uh, you know, Zach Smith on his podcast, he was breaking down some of the numbers of the wide, some of the, like the top 10 wide receivers this year in terms of productivity. And, you know, like eight, Allen, eight of those guys ran like a four, six or worse, you know, Mike yeah. Thomas, Keenan Allen, Cooper cup. Um, I can't remember all the, all the names that are on there. DeAndre so, Hopkins. Yeah. You know, these guys are not necessarily speed guys. So I agree with you, especially from the receiver position. Uh, they put so much emphasis on that 40. John Ross ran a four, two and got drafted in the first round. And who knows if he's necessarily first round talent. So, it's to me. It's a little annoying, honestly. The combine is annoying. Um, Absolutely, <laughs> but you know, it, it is part of the process, and so you do have to prepare for it, like just like any other job interview, right? Right, and I'll tell you, the, the the whole week of the combine, it is rough. Yeah, it is. You know, some guys have a ton of meetings, so you're not getting out those things till late. You know, you got to wake up early the next morning. And I heard this year that guys were sitting in the locker room for forever or on the side of the field forever before they could even go out there and perform. No, so that's, crazy. that's one of the things that bothers me the most about it is that they actually are trying to mentally and physically break you guys down. That, Absolutely. That yeah. Week. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, who are some of the guys that, you know, coming out this year um, that you feel like, I mean, I, I know all the Ohio state guys are probably relevant, but some of the guys that just at the top of your list that you feel like could come into the league and make a big impact. Oh, um, okay. You're going to hate me, but honestly, I, I think all those guys can go in and make an impact. You yeah. know, they all bring something to the table. You know, you got Chase. He's a, he's an animal. <laughs> right. You know, he's going to be the first or second pick. Right. Um, you got the receivers, KJ, Ben, and Austin. I think all those guys can come in and help a team immediately. Mm-hmm. You got Malik. You know he's he's come along so strong. He's become a really good player. But you got um, Devon Hamilton. Oh my God, he's he's grown from from the first day I've seen him to where he's at now. You know he's just matured so much, become a really dominant player. Right. Who else we got? Okuda looks like he's going top five too. Okuda, Okuda top <laughs> yeah. five. You know that's another guy that we saw him from day one and knew that he was going to be one of those. Those guys that came in and filled the void mm. at corner immediately, and you got Rico Damon Arnett as well. Yeah, he's coming in. He's made such a big jump from when he was a freshman. Right, right. <laughs> I remember right. I had to sit him down so many times and just talk to him. But you know, he's right. become a, a a really good person. <laughs> <laughs> right. He's he's be, he's become a really good person on and off the field. You yeah, know? he has. He for sure has matured quite a it, bit. And on the field, I've seen. I've seen some things and people just really love his chippiness. And, you know, I think that's, that's another thing you get out of Florida cats. You know, mm-hmm. they come with, chip with a chip on, the on their shoulder and, and Enrico has always had that chip. I remember before he even got in, he telling me, yeah, I'm going to lock you up. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. I had to tell him, uh, you remember what I did to your high school. But, uh, <laughs> oh, did you guys play each other in high school? I don't. I don't think he was playing yet, but I played against Nick and Joey. I see. Okay. 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 Yeah. But um, you know, I, I think all those guys got potential to be drafted um, and, and come in and make an impact for anybody. You know, all those guys are really talented, and of course, they're coming from Ohio State, so they're prepared for. Well, that's you know, what I was any gonna say. The reason why I don't hate your answer is because it's typically true every year, right? A bunch of guys that come in. Uh, no matter where they're drafted, right? Like we saw what happened with Terry McLaurin last year. Like it doesn't matter. Like if a lot of Ohio State guys that come in, they come in and perform. So it's you know I understand your answer. Switching gears yeah, exactly. a little. Switching gears a little bit. You guys have been whooping Michigan's ass for forever. Is it <laughs> is it is it still a rivalry? Is it the biggest rivalry for you guys, or do you guys look behind it, it and say the teams, the national powerhouses like Clemson and Alabama, are who we who we're competing with? How much we we prepare for that game more than any game I've ever you know ever played in. Yeah. So that that will forever be the biggest rivalry for me because that doesn't start that week of the game. Yeah. You know we're in spring ball and we got we have a countdown every year to when we're going to play them. You know from 
the hours to the minutes to the seconds. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so, you know, I think we just that that's that's always going to be at the top of the the rivalry chain because you know what we put into it. I don't know what they put into it, but I know how much we care for it and we care about it. You know, so. You you can go out there and lose every game, but you can't lose that one. Yep. I mean, you can't lose every game because we're Ohio State. <laughs> right, right, right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. You know that one's bigger. The way we 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 have a a period for team up north, so yeah. you know that that's 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 never going to change. You know Definitely. that's just always going to be the rivalry. I don't know how they take it, like I said, but I know how much we care for it. Right. Clearly, clearly not well enough, right? Yeah, <laughs> right. And do you have a favorite? Do you have like a favorite moment or a thing that happened at Ohio State? A favorite play? A favorite game? A favorite situation that you remember um, that just you feel like will always, you know, be number one, or you know, at least even if it's not number one, something that is just very significant to you. Um, I would say you know that 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 game against um, Penn State at home when we were the great unis. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I just you went man, out. I that that was such a huge game for me. You know, that was probably one of my hypest hypest games. And you know, just being on the sideline and we were down, but you can tell we we weren't down. You know, emotionally or physically, right? You know, was that the game where you guys were down like twelve in the fourth quarter? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I remember that game. You you, you went you off. Just tell, like. Man, I, I had to. <laughs> I, I'd go out there and make a play. And one of my biggest things when I was in college was always coming back after, like, we scored or something and going and looking into one of the defensive players' eyes. You know, mm. you know, I went down the line from, you know, Tracy to Jay Holmes right. to Taekwon and all those guys, you know, just looking them in the eyes and say, come on, let's go. Yeah. You know, I went out there and made a play, and I came back and traced it. It's your turn. You know, those guys went out there, you know, they put on a, such a great performance. We all did to close out the game. So, you know, I think that's probably is up there. Wow, <laughs> one yeah. of my no, that, that, that was one. A, a crazy one. So we're going to get you out of here. Uh, we have something that we're going to transition, something that's not, you know, uh, football-related at all. Uh, some things that we like to get before we uh, get our guests out of here. If he's going to kick it off. Your top, your, who are your top five athletes? Okay, so so I got to break this one down. <laughs> so I'm, I'm gonna go all. I, so I, you know, I gotta have Bron. That's my guy. Mm-hmm. I, got, I like Tiger Woods in there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Serena Williams. Mm-hmm. Sounds a lot like my list. Deion Sanders. Mm. I'm gonna go Messi. Wow. Okay. I see you. Okay. I see you. That's one of my <laughs> mine too. Yes. He's my, a beast. my fiance will love that pick. She got she's a big soccer head. So, oh, is you know, she? I'm, yeah, so I'm all into soccer now. So. <laughs> it's crazy. You know, soccer is, you know, especially in the United States, um, obviously it's growing rapidly. I was a huge soccer player when I was growing up before I even transitioned into football. And, you know, in the United States it's it's not I don't think it's you know, as big as it's getting, right. It's still not fully understood how big right. it is internationally. Like, yeah. you think Ohio State-Michigan is a crazy rivalry. It is. Don't get me wrong. But Soccer is the number one sport in the world, and number two is tennis. Yeah. Exactly. They go crazy exactly. internationally. You know, like... Just I always mess with my... But, I always mess with my fiance about it. I'm like, man, soccer is not the biggest sport. I'm, I'm like, I know it is, but I'm like, man, football is the biggest sport. <laughs> yeah. Right, right, right. Exactly. That soccer is on a different level, man. It's crazy. Like just for so like Cristiano Ronaldo has 206 million followers on Instagram. Yeah. 206 crazy. million. LeBron, LeBron, I mean, obviously he's transcended. He's not What's just LeBron? an athlete. He's like models 70? and all that stuff. But 206 million. Yeah. I mean that dwarfs. Like and Tom Brady, I think has, uh, and and Patrick Mahomes have one million followers respectively. LeBron on, has forty five point three million. Yeah, so that's, that's, that's like literally like five insane. times. So just to show Don't make you, no sense. yeah, it's and, LeBron, and, and, and we look, LeBron is just this guy. He's, he's like a global hero. Level, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So it just shows crazy. you the impact. Okay, last question, then we'll get you out of here. Uh, is your top five musicians of all time? Uh, okay, okay, okay. Let me see. Let me see. Put any receivers in your top five athletes, by the way. <laughs> Dion, Dion, kind yeah, Dion, Dion. That's right. You know, Dion, Dion was all around. Yeah, yeah. I, I had to go all around the circle without. Yeah, 
Dion was just um, crazy, man. Man, crazy. But um, top five artists. Okay, my favorite. I got to go with Pac first. Mm-hmm. Biggie. Mm-hmm. All right, so are we going all rappers or what? No, it doesn't have to be all rappers. It can just be any okay, musician. Okay. Ones that have had the most influence on you. Yep. Tupac, mm-hmm. for sure. Then I will go Biggie. Um, you got to put Michael Jackson in there. Mm-hmm. Like, yep. come on. Um, uh, I, I like J. Cole in there. Mm. Okay. He just, he just speaks to a different side of me, man. I don't know. It, it, he's just so dope. And, you know, Jay-Z is another guy that I like listening to. Right. They so, inspire you, so right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, pop, that's, man, I, song for song, I'll go with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nah, for I'll real. I'll put in the car every morning and go blasting. I but, mad uh, at the you. thing that I love about Pac, too, is, you know, from a music standpoint, is that literally whatever mood you want to be in, if you want to be hype, if you want to party, if you want to be thoughtful, whatever, he has many songs in each one of those categories. Yeah. Everything you need, man. Yeah. It was just sucks that his life was cut short. Yeah. You know, just, I think that, like, just, you know, I was, I was just born the year he, you know, he passed, but, um, just looking at all his old stuff and, you know, he was growing, you know, it was, that's such a, that was a person that was just growing into more than just a rapper. You know, he was a great actor, mm-hmm. man. He was a great poet. You know, yeah. he was just, you know, he, he was, was an so activist too. Activist. You know, he's, you know, I think he was setting a, a different standard, you know, as life was moving on for him. And, you know, it was just sad that, you know, he had to go so soon. I think he could have helped out a lot of people, you know, this day and age. Right. But um hundred percent. Yeah. And this is yeah, a that, time that, this is a time where we probably need it the most too, you know? Need him the most, you mm-hmm. know. So that's why I still, you know, I could still put on his music and get a little more motivation for that. Yeah. You know, you know, helps push me through my day, you know. So Absolutely. Well you're you've been a great role model too, man. Like I said, we've talked to some younger guys who, you know, obviously sing your praises and you know, you know, a lot of things happen behind the scenes that people don't see, but you spend a lot of time you know, mentoring and, and talking yep. to people. And, and, and now you're a father. Congratulations on that. I Appreciate that's a, that. That's a great feeling. Um, we're great looking forward to obviously continuing to follow your career and obviously wish you much success. People on Twitter, you guys can follow Johnny Dixon. It's at Young King underscore JD5. Johnny, seriously, we really appreciate this. Thanks for joining us on the Pilot Boys podcast. Yes, sir. Most All right, man. Man. Good luck Thanks this season. No doubt, Thank man. Thank you. I appreciate that. All right, man. Stay in touch, man. Have a good one. Love the Pilot Boys podcast? Support us on Patreon. Supporters can pledge as little as $1. We have some cool perks on there. Check out www.patreon.com forward slash Pilot Boys podcast. Show us some love today. You're listening to the Pilot Boys podcast, episode 18. V, let's hit some news and notes. Let's get it. Let's start with the coronavirus, man. It's crazy because there's so many different directions that we're going to talk about this from. I mean, obviously, there's the, you know, this, the, the health impact of this. But um, from our perspective, there are a lot of other things that are happening that are very impactful in kind of like our industries, right? So, for example, uh, South by Southwest, one of the biggest tech conferences and music conferences, which I actually performed at a few years ago, uh, is canceled. Yep. Um, there's been a huge economic loss in a lot of the events that are being canceled. There have been, uh, I think, nine major tech conferences that have been canceled from Google I.O., Facebook's F8 event, Mobile World Congress, and more. And um, Predict HQ um, uh, estimated that this is over a billion dollars in losses that people are taking, right? So, the, and obviously, we talked about the Arnold Classic and the effects on the local economy there, too. Yeah, uh, what, what are your thoughts on, on this, this part of the effect of the coronavirus? I mean, 
overall, I'm I'm very concerned uh, because I think there's a lot of different things happening. One, it's there's one word that describes all of this, which is hysteria, mm-hmm. right? Um, I think there's 111,000 total cases um, in the world mm-hmm. out of seven billion people. Right. Um, the fact that something, you know, seemingly obviously we don't know all the facts because we're not being given information, but the fact that the panic and the shutdown doesn't seem coordinate, nothing seems coordinated. Mm-hmm. The people in Austin are doing one thing. The people in, in Columbus are doing another. It doesn't seem like we have a uniform understanding what, like what the masses respond to is, okay, these are the guidelines right. that need to be followed. When one day something's on, the next day it's off. Things are getting shut down. I was, I've was i been in San Francisco the last couple of weekends. Mm-hmm. The entire city is shut down. Right. You know, and you see the impact of xenophobia. Mm-hmm. It's not just these big conferences, but right. I walk through Japantown. All the restaurants are empty. Mm-hmm. People are scared to go around Chinese people and Japanese people, right. Asian people in general. Mm-hmm. It's on planes. People are scared. Right. Um, so the fear and the hysteria element is having a profound economic impact that I don't think anyone can fully understand because it's like why the, the biggest question is why? And I can't, no matter how much research that I do, yeah, I can't get a grip on why there is this much hysteria over something that in the grand scheme of things so far has only impacted a hundred thousand people. Well, here's the thing. So I think part of the hysteria comes from what you said is I think, how the information has been distributed, right? And some of it is misinformation. A lot of it's been misinformation about what this thing actually is. Um, but then also how the information kind of got to us. So, you know, and then uh, I, the other thing about this disease um, that's different from other diseases is that it's airborne, right? So that fear just is like, it's not like, you know, Ebola or one of these other things where you have to like actually physically come in contact with someone, right? Or, you know, or, got from you know an std or something where you actually have to have contact with someone this is something that's airborne literally just by breathing the same air theoretically you could get it so that creates i think a different level of hysteria than some of the other diseases that have that have happened and then also the the multiplication factor so you hear things like okay there are only a thousand cases in this area and then you know two days later there are four thousand you know so i think there's a lot of fear around that which i think some of it is understandable um, but the bigger thing here, and again, we talked about this before, uh, from a legal standpoint, is that the reason why a lot of these conferences are getting canceled is because they know, the people who put on these conferences know that if somebody, there's obviously there's the safety and health issue. But the bigger issue is that they know that if somebody goes to one of those conferences and comes back with the coronavirus, they are suing. Yep. And that has changed literally the entire industry. In fact, now you have the Ivy League uh, canceling their basketball tournament. Uh, you have other, even though they're still sending Yale to the to the March Madness, you know, you don't want to not do that, right? You have universities that are shutting down, Ohio State included, universities Stanford. in California, um, you know, doing remote teaching, no face-to-face classes. You have all kinds of things that are being canceled. And you and then, like you said, you start to wonder, what is the reason why? Part of it is the the health, trying to protect people. I do think that is part of it. But the other part of it, I do think, is legal. Yeah, I think there's a legal element to this that's 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 understandable from the perspective of if you are going to get sued and could lose that lawsuit, I wouldn't I would whatever you're gaining by the people who are coming in the ticket sales is probably not worth mm-hmm. that lawsuit, but overall like the impact that this is having on our economy. This yeah. is this is uh you know, and under this is the impact that it's having is is almost as bad as it was in 2008. Yeah. And the other thing about this is people say, oh, it's just the stock market. But people don't realize that the economy of the United States in a lot of ways is tied to the stock market inequities because it is a free market system. Yeah. Right. And almost anyone who has a job has some sort of investment in the stock market through their 401k yep. or other vehicles. Mm-hmm. And so people are getting crushed. People's 401ks are getting crushed. People are getting crushed. So the impact here is, okay, who cares if American Airlines loses a couple billion dollars? We don't like them anyways, right? right? That's what people will say. We don't like the airlines anyways. Mm -hmm. But you don't, people are not thinking about, it's not the people at the top. It's the employees that potentially could lose their jobs. Employee of Intel, if they continue to lose money, 
where do they cut? They, they cut, always cut payroll. Always they, cut they payroll. Cut payroll workforce. And, yeah. And, and, That's the number one thing to go. And the workforce. So yes, the markets may not be impacting everybody the same. Billionaires can aff- afford to lose a couple hundred million. It's mm-hmm. it's the people at the bottom and the middle who may not see the impact yet. Yeah. But they will. I mean, I feel flew- these conversations I hear that say people the stock market is not the economy. Let's not. It isn't. And it's not, but it is very, like you said, the point that you just made, I think it's very true, is that it's very much tied to the economy, right? Because it's not just about, oh, people are losing their 401ks, people are losing their investments. That's part of it. And maybe that's what we would call, quote unquote, rich people problems. But it's also, how does it impact, what do companies who are in the stock market, right, or people who are being affected like th- by this, like Corona, for example, I mean, their business is getting crushed right now. Yeah, I mean, go, walking through Japantown, these restaurants that are bustling, the peak of lunch hour, right? Mm-hmm. Anybody who follows real estate and, and things of that nature knows how expensive it is to own or lease space yep. in San Francisco. Literally, it was $2,000 to, to lease a 125-square-foot apartment there. So these companies that are in the heart of the town, businesses, restaurants, they can't afford to fail for a quarter like no. a big multinational, multi-billion dollar corporation can. Right. So that's my fear and my concern are the small Literally, business. And that's 100% right. Even a quarter. I mean, and just think about the average American. You know, the average American, if they lose two, three paychecks, they're homeless, you know. And yeah. you mentioned the market, you know, S&P 500 fell 7% Monday morning. And it's, you know, continuing to go. But it triggered what's called a breaker, basically where um, trading actually stopped for 15 minutes. And this is the first time that that's happened since 2008, like you mentioned earlier, in the depths of the financial crisis. And it doesn't appear that there's any necessarily relief coming. First of all, people thought that the market was going to correct itself anyway, number one. Two, there are people who predicted that there was a recession coming at some point for different reasons. And then now we have this. I mean, what 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 do we what do you even I'm, do? I'm a little annoyed at the the I told you so. Uh, economic analysts because this isn't something that that is triggered by any of their analysis right Mm -hmm. they didn't think about uh, an event like this triggering a collapse but my concern now is that yes a recession is probably was probably due right but what happens if this this situation triggers is already causing a break Right. And then an actual economic recession mm-hmm. hits because you can't correct like in, in 2008 when that happened, it was an economic issue. Mm-hmm. Right. They could fix problems by cutting interest rates, bailouts, um, bailouts. Mm-hmm. You can't do that in this scenario. So yeah. even though the Fed cut interest rates by a half point last week, I think the latest measure is they're going to they're going to stop collecting payroll taxes. Mm-hmm. Um it's it, the impact is crazy. Yeah, like Italy stopped mortgage payments. I mean, there's, there's, but but like you said, there's the impact on the day to day person. Yeah. Um, it's not even being. It's not just about the market, but it's about the day to day person about what, and, and even just peace of mind. Because at the end of the day, peace of mind to me personally is my most important asset. You know, and that's one of the things that's definitely been taken away from people. And the last thing that I want to. Uh, talk about on this is is the media's role in this whole problem and mm-hmm. scenario mm-hmm. they've got a fundamental problem with with what media and news media has become um in the sense that they report anything and and hope for it to stick as long as it gets clicks right i don't feel like they report they're reporting on this responsibly that they are inducing panic yeah um and, and they are a big part of the issue as well in this this whole scenario it is and so you know again you know there's so many different ways to 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 view this and and you know it's initially it's just kind of a health care discussion but now it's obviously become much bigger than that yeah um, and eventually we'll, we'll probably get some physicians and some economists yeah we should we should get some experts in in these areas yeah because i think we can you know it. one thing that i think we can do you know we can complain about the media which i think is justified but we are also we also have a platform and yeah. we also know people who are actually smart and educated on these issues so maybe we should take it upon ourselves to help help do that. Follow um, follow the science. Follow the science right. for the people out there. All right, let's move on a little bit. Um, more more sports news. Uh, Cardell Jones was benched, which is which is sad because he started off the season on with his hair on fire, right? <laughs> and uh, you know, obviously had a great 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 first two games, and now he's being benched. I don't know, 
you know, where where does Cardell go from here? I don't know. It's a, it's a lot like what happened at Ohio State, right? Mm-hmm. He came in was 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 a fireball. Yeah. And then it dimmed. I'm not sure, you know, exactly what's what's going on with him, but you know, they they do say that the field exposes reality. He's obviously a very talented guy. Probably has some some areas that he needs to work on specifically when when things aren't going right, mm-hmm. right? It's like when everything's going smoothly and he's able to hit every pass, everything everything seems to to work well. It's when he starts out a game slow, throws a couple of interceptions. Yeah. May, maybe he doesn't have that instinct that quarterbacks need to have, which is forget about the last play mm-hmm. and move on. Yeah. Um I'm I'm not sure he got he literally got benched in the XFL. Yeah. So where does he go from here? Yeah, I mean he has a lot, you know, and you know, when your first the first couple of games everyone was saying, Why is this guy not in the NFL? And I do still believe he has NFL caliber talent. Um, but when you get benched in the XFL, that's not a that's not a good sign. So he has a lot of redemption that hopefully he'll get an opportunity to get and get his and work his way um you know, back in good graces and then hopefully get a shot back in the NFL. I do think he has that level of talent. Yeah, he does have the talent. He just needs – he has areas that he needs to work on. Right. Talking about OSU, let's talk about OSU football. Um, four Ohio State assistants for Ohio State football are making over a million dollars a year in 2020. I mean, wow. <laughs> assistants. Yeah. And not to downplay the role of assistants to the overall success of a team. Obviously, we know that they're very important. But what type of fucking economy is around college football where four assistants are making over a million dollars a year, which is actually more than the athletic director, more than the president president of the university. And that's not including bonuses, right? That's not what the bonus I don't <laughs> bonus even think that's including bonuses. No. Well, and so, well, wow, where are we now? This is 2020. I mean, wow. Well, I mean, it comes down to is, again, we talk about this a lot. It's like you can't blame the coaches. Mm-hmm. Because that's the market that exists, but when are they going to the quote unquote NCAA, which is the racket that runs college athletics and sports? These are the scenarios which you guys are in place to try to control, mm-hmm. to keep this thing from getting out of control, mm-hmm. and they're not doing that. And because part of the issue too is, and I think with that, with what you just said, is that by not controlling that, right, figuring out a way. You are now create. That's part of why animosity is building on the other side, right? Yeah. So it's one thing if 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 these players weren't being paid. Let's just let's just you know make a uh, a different analogy. Let's say the players weren't being paid, but the coaches were being paid like professors, right? Which is what they're trying to tell you is like these. This is scholar, you know, athletics, right? Then I don't think there would be as much hysteria on the other side. But yeah. the fact that now these players are not being paid, and also they have to deal with hearing announcements of their coach now making a million dollars a year. A coach that they might not even like, a coach that might not even be good. <laughs> yeah, I know. You know, of course, for Ohio State's standpoint, pretty much they are the baseline. Good, the baseline. If you're good or bad, if you come, if you get a job at a place like Ohio State, yeah. as an assistant, you're making about half a million dollars a year at, minimum, at the bottom. Minimum, right? And the thing is, is that I'm not saying it's not deserved in the economy that the way that the economy is set up, like you said, right? We all kind of agree with that. Uh, and maybe their market, and maybe their market value might even be higher than that. Honestly, some of the value for the value riding, that they're creating, it, it's potentially even higher than that. So that's not necessarily the point. But the, the the issue that you that you touched on, which I think is very very important, is if this thing doesn't get controlled, you are going to see a quote unquote revolution at some point. Yes. At some point, people think, oh well, you know, because people can only take so much eventually before they break. And, you know, people will say, you know, and the players are getting smarter and they're getting more educated and they're learning more about what their value means. And there are more people who are, you know, who have big names like LeBron and other people who are actually speaking out on these issues. And now social media is here. And these are part of day to day discussions. And, you know, if you keep just letting this thing get out of hand where everybody's making money but them, the revolution will come. It's guaranteed. It's happened in every single scenario ever in life. The thing that I can't understand is why they don't do anything for legit like to say okay we have a problem it's going to take some time to fix the problem but not even acknowledging that there is a problem is the problem Mm -hmm. in itself right Mm -hmm. because the ncaa is essentially they're there to you know what they they call middlemen right that's a middleman who's taking their cut Mm -hmm. that's what they're there they're not they're not being responsible for what they are tasked and funded to do, mm-hmm. which is 
control the business, which is is, is a business, right. that they operate. Yeah. And so, you know, I mean, again, like you said, it, we're not going to blame the coaches. Obviously, this is the market. Um, you know, and some people will say, well, no, we will blame the coaches because the coaches should speak up out against this thing too, you know? But a lot of people aren't going to do that against their self-interest, right? Well, and then you have coaches like Dabo, loser-ass Sweeney, <laughs> right, who right. who comes out and says, the players shouldn't get paid, but I should get paid $7 million a year. Like, <laughs> right. just shut up and right. collect your check. You yeah. you don't speak on that issue. Like, yes. you're going to you're gonna have pie on your face yes. for saying something Eventually, in that scenario. For sure. for sure. And there are definitely coaches who fight more um, – for players yeah. and their families and other coaches. Yes, but exactly. They, again, they are pawns in this thing. And in, in the grand scheme of things, they are pawns in this thing too, because they, they, they have jobs. They right. don't have ownership over their positions. Right. That's true. So actually speaking of um, some more college football stuff, Michigan state, man, so that's Curtis Blackwell, dude. He's not going away. He has a new lawsuit where he's accusing Michigan state of essentially taping opponents practices. Um, over the years and you know some Belichick you know New England type stuff and you know to me this is it's interesting because first of all and I think we talked about this in a different show we know that people are doing these type of things yeah. right um the key is one key is don't get caught right number one but number don't two pay, don't I, piss anyone off who's in on the act right? that's what I was gonna say <laughs> when you have that's why you, people got to be careful man it's just it's just, it's one thing about life it's not just true in sports but in life you know be careful who you piss off yeah. because people know, especially people who know your dirty secrets, you know, because yeah. there's probably a lot more that can get aired out that hasn't been. First of all, we know in every institution there's a ton that could get aired out that doesn't get aired out. Uh, but people know what's going on. And this guy seems to be very disgruntled and not going away. So the, typically what, what happens here is th- there are checks on being a snitch, mm-hmm. right? Because if you put yourself out there like this. If you want to get another job, you're not going to get another job, mm-hmm. right? Yes. You're, you're poisoned. And I always, this is the reason why I have issues with snitching in this particular, in these particular situations is the fact that you didn't care as long as you were getting paid, mm-hmm. as long as you were part of the program and right. you hadn't been blackballed. Yep. But now you're coming out when, when that, that money stops mm-hmm. and that power stops. And now you're mad. And you're exposing, acting like you're some sort of whistleblower. Yeah. So well, also, he doesn't I, have a lot of credibility to and, me. And, and the thing is also, is I, I, even if what he's saying is true, you don't realize by doing that how many people you're putting at risk, right? It's not just the entire it, program. It, in the program, their families, you know, uh, and, and people who the economy that's been built around this, you know, so on and so forth. It's a lot. So, again, I'm not going to tell someone to not do it. But especially if he feels like he's been wrong, which he does. And, you know, that's let, let me ask this yeah. from a legal standpoint. Do you think that this guy probably approached Michigan State and said, ask for some sort of settlement to not air out the dirty maybe, laundry? Maybe, you know, and, 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 and they didn't give it to and him. They probably didn't, you know, and, you know, that's the risk that you run, though. You know, it's that's the risk that you run. If you, if, if you realize you're not going to make that decision, right, you say, I'm not settling with this guy. Let him do whatever he wants then you do run the risk of having to deal with whatever it is that he comes out with. And a lot of times, the for example, the accusation. Lot, how many yeah, how many people are going to follow up with this story? That heard that, that saw the headline. How many people are going to Now the story is Michigan State was taking people's practices. Yeah. Even if it's bullshit. So you also have to be ready for that is that to, to the accusation and the PR that comes behind the accusations alone. Remember what happened with New England earlier this year when they said they were they were taping the Bengals? Yeah, I yeah. was like, the moment I heard that, I was like, they're not taping the Bengals. Yeah, but but the but, thing is, but the thing is, there are people who still believe that and believed it, and it came out. The NFL did its investigation, and it's and even though they found out that New England didn't do anything wrong, yeah. people still believe that New but England is doing something shady. And, and, and part of that though also comes down to reputation. That's why people say reputation is the most important thing. Guard it with your life. Because once people believe certain things about you, you know, that's what reality becomes. So we'll see how that plays out. Let's move on from that real quick. Let's talk about um, March Madness, right? It's coming up. Obviously, we talked about a little bit from the coronavirus standpoint. There might be playing March in, sadness. Right. <laughs> there might be playing in empty arenas. Um, you know, that's kind of the new thing. Uh, Ohio State is ranked number 19. They, they look like they're just as capable of, of, uh, as anyone. Uh, even though Dayton might be the best team in Ohio. Oh man, Dayton is fun <laughs> to Obi watch. Obi Toppin do on Atlanta they, 10 play they of the year. They fly around. Yeah. They're like a they're like a 
UNLV running level Rebels light. Yeah, so I, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see how March Madness plays out. Obviously, just, you know, with the coronavirus and, you know, practices getting canceled or, you know, empty arenas and all that type of stuff, it might not have the level of excitement. One thing I missed earlier when we were talking about the empty arenas and why they probably don't care about canceling is the TV money, right? Mm-hmm. That's where the real money is anyway. So yeah. as long as it's still televised, yeah. they're not being impacted. It's the families who've planned, like... I, I talked to a guy who came down, came up from Houston for the Arnold Classic. He was like, I wasn't going to cancel my trip. I paid for my hotel six months ago. I yeah. paid a th- over $1,000. Yep. So that's the, the thing about canceling is, is are you canceling for liability, but do you actually care? Or you're saying you care about the fans. Yeah. But I guarantee if the TV deals weren't as big and they were dependent on butts in the seats as much right it, it, the the story would be a little I bit mean, different. They, they will lose a lot of money on tickets so like like particularly for football right like and that's one thing I, I you know will be interesting to see as this thing continues to play out you know into the summer you know obviously what's going to happen with the olympics is one but also football i mean you're talking about a hundred thousand people going to a game each week and that's all over the country that's not just like a couple places and the ticket revenue i mean that's millions it's huge of dollars it's huge a, a day huge. you know so i'll be interested to see what happens i'm i'm glad that this hadn't happened imagine if this was like september right now yeah i mean what the hell would happen it'd be complete chaos and hysteria but we'll see let's talk about um some nba real quick lebron versus giannis kind of well mvp talk right um you know lebron it's interesting cuz lebron as, as much as people don't want lebron to be the best player anymore he still is always one of the best, right? Even if you don't think he's number one, he's still always top two, top three, right? Yeah. And every year, it seems like he just continues to kind of defy the odds. And then, the, uh, but you know, he's also kind of uh, a victim of his own success. A lot of times that happens too. When when you're just so successful and you're so consistent, people don't necessarily start to view you as MVP every year, right? And stuff like that. How do you see that? And then also, you got Chris Paul over in Oklahoma City. Who personally to me, I don't know how they're winning any games, but they're like very, very relevant in the West. He also seems to be a good MVP candidate. What do you think? Well, I think overall this MVP conversation typically comes down to to not what it's supposed to be, which is who is the most impactful player for their team in winning games, mm. right? Um, and I think there's this this thing that like you were talking about the LeBron haters. Right. They're also the other side of people who, no matter what, how much credit LeBron gets, they're always going to think he's being hated on. Mm-hmm. And the truth is that there is really not much of a conversation. If you look at that team in Milwaukee with Giannis, the Milwaukee Bucks have never been relevant. Yeah, Giannis, they have the best record, probably going to go to 70 wins. You take him off that team, they don't win. Yeah. With LeBron... His second best player is the third best player in the NBA. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. So this conversation is, although, yes, I think that out of respect, we should always say LeBron James is always a top three MVP candidate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Always. Yeah. But people should not feel like he's being slighted or being hated on if there's a guy like Giannis around who is playing a little bit better and is having a little bit more overall impact. I agree. I think what you that what you touched on earlier is, is the key, though. Is, is, is So long as he's being respected as a top three, I think that's fine. But once people start acting like he's washed or, you know, he's, a, you know, benefiting because Anthony Davis or whatever it is, it's just like then you just start to say, all right. You can't I, have a middle ground with LeBron either. Yeah. It's like if you don't if, – if you say something that's critical, you're a hater into like half of the population. Yeah. You give him praise – you're oh you're you're like a, I said and I think the middle ground for us and you and I are very good at doing this just say admit he's top three that's yeah, fine that's, it's okay yeah. <laughs> it's all good it doesn't have to be one but you know yeah, exactly so uh, exactly. a couple more things before we finish with news and notes one um six nine our rapper six nine he gets out of prison August second twenty twenty so they finally have a date for that um you know we talked about that earlier you know in an earlier episode it'll be interesting to see what happens when he gets out I mean hip hop has been very, very boring. Da- boring. <laughs> no, it hasn't been boring. It hasn't been boring, but it's been very dangerous already. Yeah. So I'm a little concerned when somebody like that who's got that type of reputation comes out on on what the fallout there is going to be. Yeah. I, I wouldn't, I w- there's no, if 
I, there's no money he could pay me if I was a security company to put my people at risk you're de- you're protecting that guy. definitely at risk because there are going to be a lot of people that want to kill him. Uh, a couple other things. One other thing I want to mention was the Nate Woods execution in Alabama. We probably should get a much better uh, – just give this a much better discussion, and maybe we'll bring in even a criminal lawyer at some point to talk about it. Um, but from what I've read, it seems so sad and unjust. You know, even his co-defendant said, look, he didn't do it. He wrote a letter. I did it. He ran away. Even one of the uh, victims, you know, I mean, when it involves police officers, that's obviously a sensitive issue. Even one of the victims, I think siblings or sisters came out and said, look, he's innocent. And Alabama was just like, nope, ex- executed him. He's, he's gone. You know, it's just a, it's a sad thing. So, again, we should probably give this way more than we're going to give it now. But I just at least wanted to mention that. I mean, uh, that capital capital punishment is a is a, a very very interesting and fascinating topic that yeah. has years of history yeah and it, that that the people who are against it this is the exact reason why exactly. it's not necessarily so much well at least from some of the people that I've talked to that they're not that they're against the principle well they are against the principle right they don't want the state to determine who lives and who dies right but there are some other people who are not necessarily against the principle but they're against the potential application and this is one of those scenarios where people that people yeah say, I mean and the thing that that kind of concerns me about this is every religion, no matter what religion you are, there is something said about not killing people. Mm-hmm. Right. So I've never just at a fundamental standpoint, I've never understood that if you are religious and you believe in that, how then you can take the power into your own hands to decide, even if someone killed him, put him in prison, take him out of society, mm-hmm. but giving anyone that type of power to execute someone is scary. Scary. So, and the last thing on news and notes, Harvey Weinstein finally got sentenced. He got sentenced to 23 years, you know, which essentially for him is, is, a, is a death sentence um, in prison uh, for, for the rest of his life. But it's good to see at least that some justice, I mean, he probably should have got a bigger sentence than it's, that. But, you know, for all intents and purposes, it's a life sentence. It's amazing to see how people with power and money, when, when things fall apart, how much more poorly they handle it. Yeah. Than other people like he still hasn't taken accountability. He's like writing letters to all these people trying to get 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 out of it, saying he's sick. He's yeah. unhealthy. Yep. You rape people like go to Rikers Island <laughs> and, 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 and die there. Right. right. <laughs> like, exactly. All right. That's all we have for news and notes. We'll be right back. Buck our nation. Let's go. That's all we have for today's show. Big thanks to our guest, Johnny Dixon. Thanks to everybody for listening. Don't forget, sharing is caring. Subscribe to the Pilot Boys podcast on Apple, Spotify, Patreon, and YouTube. And please follow us on social media at Pilot Boys Pod on Twitter and at Pilot Boys Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. And follow the hosts on Twitter. I am at Mechadon Music and V is at Viswan. Always remember, be you. You is fly. Pilot Boys out! Where the Pilot Boys at? Pilot boys, we get on up. We gon' fly, boys, we get up. So go high, so 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 high, so